This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your ASMR host, Javi. <laughs> like, the only reason I say that is because, like, the mic is right next to my shit. So it's like, I you just heard me click. <laughs> like, that's why. Yeah, you're fucking loud ass clicking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm th- I'm thought I would, after two or three years of doing this, I thought I'd be more professional by now. No, you're terrible. This podcast is going down all downhill and it's all your fault. Yeah, we both <laughs> knew when this day would come. I hope you're ready for the cyanide capsule I put in your tooth when you were sleeping. <laughs> All right, so this week we're doing Jurassic World 2015 movie directed by Colin Trevorrow. And it is a sequel. I, ostensibly, it's a sequel to Jurassic Park. But it is the movie that comes directly after the first Jurassic movie that we ever did in the history of this podcast. Do you remember which one that was? Uh, Jurassic Park three. The best movie <laughs> yeah. The Jurassic, Jurassic Park three. That was that. That's where we started this franchise. I think it's really funny that like this one is one that we haven't gotten to yet. And yet we've done like three, the original and like fallen kingdom. <laughs> I'm surprised no one has asked for lost world yet. And I'm happy because yeah, you specifically shit all over Lost World, which I would argue is actually pretty damn good. Every day I wake up, I think, man, what's one movie I hate? And it's always Jurassic Park Lost World. (laughs) All right. All right. Calm down. You're exaggerating. No, shut up. That's (laughs) the movie I wake up to hate every day. (laughs) Next one is Triple X State of the Union. Oh, bitch. All right, all right, all right. So let's get into it. Talking about this movie came out in 2015. We hadn't had a Jurassic movie in at least what nine years by that point. Yes, it was Jurassic Park 4 that they were trying to get off the ground for years and years. And we talked about this in a previous episode on this podcast where we talked about all the different like ideas that they had for a fourth Jurassic movie which included like dinosaur human hybrids at one point and it was supposed to be some sort of insane like lo- like estate that they all end up at uh, w- like all the characters in the show end up at and it's really funny to think about those bizarre like Jurassic Park 4 scripts because essentially part of those scripts end up becoming part of this week's movie you know like the the fact that they were going to move over to a new main character that was more of like a you know soldier or ex-soldier type they end mm-hmm. up doing that um the idea of dinosaur hybrids it, they're not they're not making dinosaur human hybrids but Cowards. they are at this point like creating new new dinosaurs uh, that didn't exist using like the blood of all these different creatures and and DNA from different creatures and mixing them together um if I remember correctly, I think we talked about in Jurassic Park 3, where there is actual concept art of the Dino Men, right? Yes. And I don't <laughs> remember. Man. It's been a while, but I feel like if I Google Dino Men Jurassic Park 3, it's going to look like something that God forgot about and yes. that he left. And it, it's going to terrify it looks, me. Yeah, it looks like something that is like scrapped from a video game or something like that. Ew. Like something right, out so, of like a like a scrapped Resident Evil sequel or something. So if you want to see why God has abandoned us as, as a like <laughs> species, look up Dino Men from Jurassic Park. Uh, what we did talk about when we talked about the original Jurassic Park uh, is 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 a concept that comes up here that that I will bring up and well I guess I shouldn't get into it until until I ask you what's your experience your previous experience with Jurassic World, because I know that both of us have seen this movie before. Did we watch it together? No, we did not. We watched Fallen Kingdom together, but I don't think we watched this one together. 
I forgot how I watched this movie. I must have gone to the movie theater to watch it, but I just don't remember with who. But I remember being a grown ass adult, like an adult ass adult, and being like, I'm going to watch this movie. And I mean, yeah. what? I don't be what, seven years ago? Yeah, this was like the summer I got married, I think 2015. Yeah, this is. That's crazy to think about. Like, this movie feels like you told me about. Oh yeah, Jurassic World came out. I feels like it came out three years ago. Not yeah, it, like back it doesn't, when you got married. It doesn't feel like it came out that long ago. And then next thing you know, like 2015, you're like, God damn, that was a while ago. For real, this was back when Chris Pratt was America's sweetheart. He was still on Parks and Recreation when this came out. Like this Parks was this was literally big. the second big screen movie he made after Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he 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 wasn't even really that big a star yet because Mm-mm. like the, he wasn't in the Avengers sequels yet. And and Mm-mm. like obviously now everybody knows who Chris Pratt is, and, and you know Chris Pratt is nowhere near as popular as he was during those Parks and Recreation years. Oh, <laughs> uh, if we can go back, if only we can turn back time for Chris Pratt before everyone found out that you know he was such a <laughs> hardcore conservative Christian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet he would appreciate that if we all just forgot about like all the terrible things that. He hasn't technically done. It's just he's six degrees away from terrible things. Yeah. Like he's a that. guy who like hasn't done anything that's like cancelable, but we know what he's all about. And that's like almost bad enough at this point. Plus, he's a Seahawks fan, so I know you hate him. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> remember when he endeared us all by rapping the entire uh the entire eminem verse from i think forgot about dre <laughs> no i didn't uh, I oh didn't. no and like, i'm glad i've never seen that and i never will at this point <laughs> now i refuse <laughs> but yeah like he's in it then we get uh bryce dallas howard who plays claire deering who everyone might know well i mean now everyone knows her as like a kick-ass director and who along with uh john favreau is saving the the star wars franchise Mm -hmm. but i mean people might remember her also as ron howard's daughter more importantly gwen stacy from spider-man 3 i i guess yeah i mean (laughs) all right so the director of this movie colin trevorrow like he is in the mold of another director that you and I have talked about. Gareth Edwards kind of like for me, not as good as Gareth Edwards maybe, but he's one of those guys that like started off making this like small little indie movie. And then all of a sudden he gets handed the keys to like a giant tentpole like franchise film. Mm-hmm. Um, except like Gareth Edwards, like he got his start, like knowing like he did the special effects movie and monsters is, is kind of like a sci-fi movie so it makes the, the sense is the, the jump that he made is much more gradual from something like that to godzilla this guy it was like this weird offbeat kind of like comedy movie <laughs> that he did starring aubrey plaza another parks and recreation uh reference on this podcast but he did that movie and then i guess that was enough for his universal and steven spielberg to be convinced that he would be the guy to finally bring jurassic park back what um, movie did he do it's a movie called safety not guaranteed oh uh, okay i thought it was ingrid goes west i don't know why no and and i'm curious about trevorrow too like he's one of those like weird guys who is like there's been like scuttlebutt out there that he is someone who like might be difficult to work with like he was originally supposed to be the guy who did episode nine of star wars back when it was called duel of the fates and that's such a better name than last skywalker (laughs) or whatever the fuck it was rise of the skywalker yeah oh he uh, was raised in oakland he was a local dude yeah um yeah i'm really my my understanding is that he had a much more interesting a version of Star Wars that was done, and God knows what the problem was. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. the fallout from Last Jedi was so was toxic enough, and, and we've we've talked already enough about the Star Wars franchise. Mm. But it's yeah, it's he kind of like I, I won't get into Star Wars at this point. But yeah, I mean, I guess he was like painfully difficult to deal with, and then it became a thing where like I don't know, people didn't want to work with him anymore. 
And even yeah. with the Jurassic World franchise, like he does the original Jurassic World and then he like stepped away from the director's chair for the second one. I guess he had some kind of executive producer role for Fallen Kingdom, but Jay Bayona, the hard director, is the guy who ends up becoming the director of that movie. Yeah, and I think we talked about um fallen kingdom where there especially in that opening sequence how you definitely feel a completely different vibe from jurassic world mm. where there's a lot more well at least in the beginning there's a lot more horror elements to it yeah all right anyway i guess we can get into the plot of this movie then uh what this movie does that none of the other movies before it had done and no other movie after it will do it. It's one of those things that you can only do once in the franchise, right? Give you the original children. Jurassic Park. You can only do that the one time where everyone goes to the theme park before it opens. It all goes bad and everything goes wrong. Like this is also a concept that you can only execute once, which is Jurassic World exists. It's a thing that's in our world. And for 10 plus years, it's a theme park that's existed with no problems that everyone is happy in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is such a novel concept to me. And it's really interesting that they, that they go with that. And, you know, the big deal with this one was, okay, well, in the last movie, they replaced T-Rex with Spinosaurus. I know they're going to have a brand new villain in this one. And I remember reading an article where they kind of jokingly referred to it as Frankensteinosaurus because mm. it was supposed to be like a raptor plus T-Rex hybrid. And uh, obviously they do other stuff in it and it, it, it ends up becoming like a bigger thing in the story. But yeah, it's an interesting concept. And, and now we're gone. We're basically divorcing ourselves from all the old characters of the old franchise and starting over. And funny enough, like this movie, you probably would have had like a question about how excited people were to get another Jurassic Park movie so many years later. But this movie is like, I think hands down, like the biggest, like the, the, the biggest moneymaker in this franchise, I think like it was astronomical, the amount of money that it made when it came out. Like it was insanely popular. It had a $150 million budget. Against a 1.67 billion dollar box office worldwide, I don't think they'll ever eclipse that ever again. Mm-mm. Like it, it was, it's almost like when you talk when you think about like how Dark Knight became such a big deal. Like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you knew the next Batman movie in that franchise was going to be a big deal, but you didn't know how big it was going to be, and it's just like surprises everyone with how like massively like just popular and seen by everyone it was and this is kind of one of those movies obviously like the quality is different and and the and the genre and all that stuff is different but it's just like this thing that just came up out of nowhere again and and like you discovered how popular it was with people i am going to have to bring back the idea of the dark knight counter for how many times we refer to the dark knight and well on their pot and podcast episodes all right. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but you know that one was a no. I no no. It's 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 really isn't like what I mean is like sometimes these things come along that you don't think are going to be that big a deal, or they're going to be a big deal with a certain audience, and then it all of a sudden becomes a thing that everyone watched, and that's what this ends up being. So. Funny enough, I feel the more appropriate uh the more appropriate uh, example is actually the other chris brett vehicle being guardians of the galaxy <laughs> seeing as though that was a movie no one even knew what to think about until it came out and then everyone loved it probably but i mean i think people had an idea with something like jurassic world like i mean we'd seen jurassic park and we'd seen the sequels whereas i feel like guardians is a much bigger mystery yeah, but I mean, Jurassic World, you don't know what to, what you're getting, right? Like you like you said, you're completely forget about Ellie Sadler, forget about uh, Ian Malcolm and uh, Dr. Grant because the focus is going to be on these new characters, new dinosaurs, the same environment. So it's just one of those things like, yeah, you may get something similar to what you got before, but ultimately you don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. Um, 
Except for the fact that it kind of starts with two annoying kids, just like the first Jurassic Park. <laughs> but the movie opens up with the pair of brothers, Zach and Gray Mitchell, as they are preparing for a holiday trip without their parents uh, to go to check out the Jurassic World Resort down in Isla Nublar. Um, it appears that their parents are going into, are getting a divorce and and instead of trying to be there and support their children during this hard times they're just sending them away while they go do the proceedings and you know figure out who gets what which i don't know i i, I it feels like such a weird jarring subplot to see like the disillusion of this like middle upper middle class family juxtaposed with you know dinosaur action <laughs> it's you know what it kind of makes me think of it's one of those things where it's melding the world we live in with like the world of this movie because the other thing i was thinking about as the kids go to the airport you know where their divorced parents have left them and they're getting off the airplane and they're arriving on boats that are supposed to take them to the island like these ferries and stuff like that the only thing i can think of when i'm like watching stuff like this is like oh my god this is an island on the coast of costa rica like these people have gentrified like <laughs> these Costa Rican <laughs> islands like to such an extent. It was like, look at all these like American tourists that are just like going all these places. And you know, it's kind of like false because while there's a lot of, you know, like it's almost like a gag where it's like you have like teenage white kids that are there like running attractions and stuff like that. You know mm. that all the accommodations and the you know, hospitality workers are all going to be non-white. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It would definitely people be people from like mainland South America, <laughs> and that's all I could think about when I was watching the beginning of this movie. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, like, I think Zach's the older one, right? I think it. I think he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach is the older brother, and it's funny because he's like a total annoying fuckboy. <laughs> He's like the girl, the girl, his girlfriend is there to see him off. She says 100% does not care for her much at all. (laughs) He's like, like, I thought he was just gonna break up with her the way how nonchalant he was that she was there. She's like, Okay, I'll miss you. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, he's like, I love you. And she's like, I'll see you later. He's a thousand percent ready to just like just stare at other girls. (laughs) like for his entire trip creepily stare at other girls as he does several times throughout the course of this film Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they manage they they end up going they end up getting dropped off at the airport from there they fly down to uh costa rica where they then have to take a ferry from the uh, from the from costa rica to the island this is a big trip for like a teenager and his like preteen brother to go on by themselves. I'm like, Jesus, I can't even imagine my parents sending me on like (laughs) this voyage at that age. Well, you know what? I think the thing is what they assume is going to happen is that they are going to be under the care of their aunt, Claire Deering, who is played by Bryce Dallas Howard in this. And, uh, you know, she's the one who ends up pawning them off on her assistant. And Oh my God, like, I know that there's a ton of criticism that goes... Most of the criticism in this movie goes towards Bryce Dallas Howard's character. Mm-hmm. And um, while there's a lot of stuff in here where she is... Uh, the portrayal that, that that is given for her is really, like... I, I don't care for it too much. I don't think it's... There's nothing about it that's objectively, like, you know... That takes me out of the movie or mm-hmm. makes it that upsetting to me. Uh, there's stuff that like I watch like I've seen women's reactions to that and they're like there's no way that this woman would be running in heels like by the end of this movie the way that she is in the beginning so yeah. I will take I will take a woman's word for that but she, she's <laughs> like unfortunately she's just a very poorly written regressive like woman character in my opinion because it does the trope of the sassy brassy professional woman who's too like her career is more important than anything else and it's like 
it's an old 90s trope that comes back but at the same time it's like it's just a trope you know like it's a very like paper thin like motivation for a character as opposed to like you know the fallen kingdom where she her experiences from this movie actually toughen her up and you see that she she's a she's you know passionate and she's all about you know dinosaur rights and she becomes damn near an eco-terrorist if i remember correctly <laughs> and but i it's haven't one of those seen things i haven't seen dominion yet but mm-hmm. one of the early things that i've read about dominion in terms of reviews is that she her character is wonderfully spotlighted in it despite mm. what you know the reviews are about it and they are what they are but mm-hmm. yeah that's the word and i think i think she's my understanding is that she's the character who even though she might be written pretty poorly in this movie mm-hmm. she at the end of this trilogy is gonna have the biggest arc that's great to hear because she becomes so much more complex in fallen kingdom and um, and it sounds like it becomes a lot like she becomes much more interesting by Dominion. But right now, as of what we see in this film, she's just like she's just like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever have kids because of my career. And it's like, oh, my God, who the fuck wrote? this? Yeah. Also, just, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with like not wanting to have kids, like especially I don't know why that villainizes women in movies so much. Yeah. They don't want to have kids. <laughs> And then, like, then you got Judy Greer, who was great as Allison. Oh, my God, I forget her character name in in the Halloween movies. But, you know, Allison's mom, where she becomes also her own very complex character in the sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she just seems like, you don't want to have a family? What's wrong with you? It's like, aren't we past this already? It's 2015. right haven't we accepted that women can do whatever the fuck they want and like we're okay with that as a society i mean i say that but then seven years later hey we're living in an actual like hellscape for anyone that's not a you know white conservative dude so yeah we're we're living in hell for anyone who's not chris pratt oh that's fire oh man but yeah we like like you were saying she ends up pawning off uh her kids on her personal assistant uh because as we see there she's really she's busy running essentially the entire park um we also get introduced to kind of the tech geeks the people that i guess would be samuel jackson's uh equivalent from jurassic park one (laughs) one played by a personal favorite of ours, Mr. Jake Johnson. I think that's his name. I don't remember. Yeah, I love Jake Johnson. And then uh, Lauren Lapkus plays uh, Vivian. So it's Larry and Vivian. They're the two kind of uh, techies um, in the main control room. But Jake Johnson really is hilarious. You know, when we meet him, Clara gives Larry like, this giant death stare because he's wearing a Japanese like old school Jurassic Park shirt (laughs) to which she you know points out hey don't you think it's a little bit of poor taste and he goes what do you mean this is retro (laughs) and then he's like he's talking about how the old park was just like representative of how you can't tame nature and that there was like a certain beauty to the destruction there's there's a real meta quality to this movie like because Mm -hmm. There's the scenes of, again, it's like the, the reference that Jake Johnson make, makes in this scene. And then there's also like this just over this like overlaying feeling of like the fact that we're now seeing the park like year. It's one of those things. It almost felt like a metaphor for CGI the same way that original Jurassic Park did. You know, it felt like it was the first time just that we're seeing CGI dinosaurs on screen. It's the first time we're seeing what we can do with CGI on film. And now it's like in 2015, it's like decades later and Mm -hmm. everything has CGI. And it's one of those things where it's like where it was so novel in Jurassic Park. Now in 2015, every movie has it. And it's like, how do you make it exciting again? Mm -hmm. And that's like the balancing act that this movie is also trying to pull off, (laughs) which is how do you make a concept that that was new so long ago? Interesting again. Mm -hmm. Um. So after the control room, 
uh, scene, we also we get introduced to Owen Grady, played by Chris Pratt, and he's a former Navy veteran and what's an ethologist? I'm not. Oh, I guess he's studied animal behavior, and that makes sense because he's kind of like the the trainer for the, the Velociraptors. And he's teaching them to pretty much hunt and socializing them and try to make him treat him like the alpha. So uh, we get to see how uh, they run around their paddock and he's able to kind of uh, train them, feed them snacks. Uh, We also get introduced to his uh, partner in crime, Barry, who's kind of like his mate, his right hand man when it, when it comes to training the dinosaurs and we also meet Vic Hoskins who's the head of engine security played by Vincent D'Onofrio so right away you know I'm gonna, I gotta make the joke that where's Vanessa because you know that, that's he's the kingpin and you can't not make that joke now <laughs> but that was the first thing I thought of after that you know you just think about wow this is like just a completely different character than what i'm used to vincent d'onofrio playing especially when you do see him as the kingpin in daredevil uh but essentially he wants to convince owen to do a field test with the uh velociraptors because he thinks it's a good idea to use velociraptors instead of soldiers in combat settings and just send them overseas to maul our enemies to death i guess very interesting personally you know like (laughs) i guess it's a little bit on the nose when we talk about the military industrial complex wanting to weaponize (laughs) velociraptors i'm honest to fucking god velociraptors (laughs) and send them into active like combat zones yeah like i would love to think that's too fucking goofy even for our real world but i don't i don't know anymore it, man. yeah this feels like a lingering idea from that jurassic park 4 script that they wanted to put in like basically the island is owned by a company called Mizrani, which makes mm-hmm. sense it's an oil baron like a foreign oil baron is the guy who basically starts <laughs> the theme park which you know hey in modern america like that is who that that is who would run jurassic park Mm-hmm. In, I mean, he's. What I tell you, I think he's a he's a more likable brown version of uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, I guess, and, and then like I guess InGen is now like some part, you know, sister company that does different operations on the same site. It, it's really bizarre, and and Vincent D'Onofrio even talks about how Mizrani is so diversified in his like in what he owns that he doesn't even realize all the things that he owns and it's mm-hmm. just again it's one of those things that feels so clumsily inserted in this but it does give us at least the like i think the crux of this new trilogy which is the relationship between uh grady and the raptors uh mm-hmm. which you know they they show as like in like that he you know trains them as best he can uh he's able to get them to like you know basically like it it is like training soldiers in some way but it's just like teaching them as you would like a pack of wolves uh Mm. how to hunt and how to listen to him and treat him as you know member of the pack as much as much as they can Mm. while also respecting the fact that they are predators and that they will turn on even him at a moment's notice yeah as shown in the scene where the dumb kid falls into the paddock and then grady has to save him yeah. Um almost getting mauled himself by a raptor um in the process. And of course that's the favorite meme scene of uh Chris Pratt trying to calm the three raptors as they try to surround him. <laughs> and then I guess it, so they juxtapose this with Claire and how she like you know both of them look at the the dinosaurs in this movie in two different ways. Owen looks at them as, as, I mean, as animals. They are animals mm-hmm. that, that he, you know, wants to see what their, you know, what their behavioral patterns are and make sure that they're growing up as well adjusted as possible in captivity. Whereas Claire, you know, sees these things more as assets. And, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of the other characters, like, just kind of thumb their nose at her, like, for, for referring to them as assets. But you know what? Like, if it is your job 
mm-hmm. to do some of this stuff. There's these things are going to become inventory at some point, or at least feel more like inventory than creatures at this point. But it, it's like I think where it gets a little goofy is the fact that no one decided that it was a good idea to socialize the new creature that they're creating. <laughs> What is arguably the most dangerous creature that they've created? By the way, I love that the company playing or the people working for a company that plays God and is literally creating monsters out of nothing. And literal <laughs> monsters, because as mm-hmm. Dr. Wu goes on to point out, none of these none of these creatures look, you know, historically accurate to what yes. dinosaurs are. Yes, which um, is directly lifted from the original Jurassic Park novel. There's a scene where Henry Wu is talking to John Hammond, and what he basically tells him is that these aren't what dinosaurs look like. This is an artist's approximation of what we think dinosaurs look mm-hmm. like. Like this so, is he said, this is basically us looking at you know the what has been available to us, and and putting like a painting on the wall of what these things might have looked like. So for a company that, or for a bunch of people working for a company that's creating abominations, like they're really high road and Claire for a lot of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, aren't you guys part of the problem too? I think that's why like coming back to this movie, like all these years later, like I'm less critical of her. I know. <laughs> Every and it's also really funny that Owen is like super hippy dippy granola dickhead because it's like you were in the navy for X amount of time. Like yeah. you should also understand the use of assets. But I digress. Uh, but yeah, we also do get introduced to Simon Mizrani, who uh, very much like John Hammond, he kind of has the same uh, philosophy of thought of. Um, kind of creating a spectacle he's less of a showman than Hammond but he does um I think he's he's every bit the showman as Hammond the guy's flying his own helicopter he's like talking about the all these like Silicon Valley tech CEO like mm-hmm. change the world we're changing the world kind of like stuff and it's just it, it, it's, it's 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 way over the top but funny enough it's like if if you work at enough companies out here in this area it's not very far fresh from the kind of shit these guys really say in real life. <laughs> he uses the word synergy a lot, and I don't know what that means anymore. Yeah. No, but uh, what I mean is that I remember in in the novel for Jurassic Park, um, they they describe Hammond as a Barnum and Bailey kind of mm-hmm. like ringmaster. And that he, you know, he's very much has the identity of like the step right up, you know, uh, check out this show that will blow your mind. Um, But I guess you're right. I think he maybe he does that, but more for like the 21st century as opposed to like Hammond was doing it from an old timey, um, an old timey way. Uh, but yeah, like you said, we see him. He's like he's this guy that literally shows up and is like, OK, I paid a bunch of money into this. What is it? Someone tell me, because I know nothing about dinosaurs. Yeah, because yeah, it looks like at some point, like you know, he buys InGen from Hammond. I guess he uh, he makes some weird allusion to where maybe he and Hammond like had some kind of interaction before Hammond passed away, which is bizarre. Because if you do watch like the Lost World Jurassic Park, like by the end of that movie, like all he wants is for that island to be left alone, the mm-hmm. the second island. <laughs> And for the dinosaurs to be able to live their lives and have life find a way. So the fact that like, it could be one of those things where it's like, I bought this company and then like Hammond shook my hand and I'm over here like pretending like I'm like, I'm doing something for his legacy by doing this. (laughs) I mean, that makes him more like Elon Musk, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) If that is is the case. True. Um. Anyway, so, you know, he he brings Claire. Well, he and Claire end up coming to the paddock to look at the Indominus Rex, which is, you know, the brand new attraction that is that they've created because apparently, you know, revenue is sagging and attendance starting to get low. So they need a new attraction to basically peak interest of everyone. I think you said uh, every 10 years, right? They want to try to roll out a new dinosaur. It's this big white monstrosity 
that you know looks like a t-rex but also looks you know just infinitely more monstrous with like spikes on its back and the top of it like like needles on the back of its head or like on the back like these like really sharp quills and Mm -hmm. um it has the velociraptor kind of beak to it mm -hmm. um with like external teeth and then it has big or has longer arms than your than the t-rex with these big sharp claws on. or as they refer to it verizon wireless presents the indominus rex <laughs> i loved when <laughs> i really do appreciate that i'm not again it's like this kind of stuff makes you think of gentrification it makes you think of like these you know corporatization giant, of yeah, everything the, the privatization and corporatization of all this stuff Whereas like the original Jurassic Park talked about more about the dangers of genetic uh, of like playing with genetic like uh, material and stuff like that. Now we live in a world where that's like the norm, you know, like we Mm -hmm. live in stem cell research. We live in the world of all these like biotechnical like innovations. And even though Michael Crichton, who's no longer with us, probably, you know, doesn't wouldn't appreciate the world that we're living in now. I do appreciate that somehow this has found a way to be just so well placed into the world that we live in with all of these like corporate lingo and like, you know, just, yeah. The, the fact that the fact that the fact that like the main street in Jurassic world has Pandora jewelry, you have Starbucks coffee. Now mm-hmm. uh, Verizon wireless presents dinosaurs. Like it really is like, yeah. Margaritaville motherfucker. It's the world him? we live in. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe that Michael Crichton's worst nightmare of living in a capitalist hellscape and a genetic freak show has all come to fruition. Because I mean that's the other thing that that uh, kind of happens, right? Is how the drive for greed and and consumption—well, not consumption, but just like trying to make money even off nature—kind of leads ultimately to John Hammond's downfall, which is kind of what you know. Apparently, no one paid close enough attention to Jurassic Park when they finally made Jurassic World. <laughs> but um, after the. After Masrani uh, kind of got a got a look at the Indominus, uh, they brought in or Claire went to go get uh, Owen so that he can come and kind of evaluate the the Indominus's uh, paddock and just to make sure for security and all that. Um, as he goes and and looks, or you know, as he goes and kind of gets his first. Um, it gives his first impressions. Uh, he notes that the only positive uh, relationship that the Indominus has, as far as socialization goes, is the hook that they drop food into the paddock. Uh, you learn that the Indominus killed its sibling uh, at a very young age and has kind of lived in isolation ever since, which greatly worries Owen, who's afraid that a mo- that a animal, uh, though living in captivity, not socialized. Uh, can become very dangerous um and in his anger he tells Mizrani to uh go talk to dr Wu about the animals that they are breeding because he the fact that he doesn't know what uh gene sequences were used to make the indominus really worries him uh, after they do, and he's a, not wrong. It's highly irresponsible that nobody really knows what this stuff is in. But you know what? This is the kind of bullshit that happens at big companies all the time. Mm-hmm. People don't talk to each other, so like they do all sorts of weird, unethical shit, and will never mention it to the people that they're supposed to. One hundred percent. That's how it goes. So uh, after they do a heat scan within the paddock, they can't find the Indominus. Uh, which leads to Owen and some of the security personnel uh, kind of checking out the paddock where it looks like the, um, you know, they also find claw marks insinuating that the it's possible that the Indominus jumped out of the paddock and was big enough to do that. As uh, the security personnel go and they check stuff out, um, I think it was uh, Jake Johnson, you know, he he reports back that the Indominus is still in the paddock. It's just hiding. At this point is when they learn that it can cover its heat signature, which is super 
dangerous and someone should have like talked about that before and they find out that uh it tricked the essentially it tricked the staff so that it can open it can it can, it can open the paddock or they can open the paddock and can, they, it can make it its escape uh as the indominus um kills one of the he ends up eating one of the uh security personnel uh and trashes uh that the immediate area uh owen is able to save himself by cutting the uh fuel line on a uh, like this construction machine i think like a cherry picker and he ends up like covering himself in the oil to uh so that way he can block his own scent so that the uh indominus can't find him and right off the bat worst case scenario that could ever happen has finally happened <laughs> um and during and uh that's i think that's just juxtaposed with uh Ms. Ronnie talking to Wu and uh that's where it feels uh, almost like a sitcom there's like four different things going on there's Min, there's Mizrani and Wu there's the Indominus breaking out and then at the very same time we're watching the Claire's nephews uh you know enter the gyrosphere which i is is maybe the coolest attraction like in Jurassic World like just looking at all the stuff that they have there the, mm-hmm. they, they showed the Mosasaurus pit where it's like essentially like it's like watching the orcas at, at, at what used to be Marine World when we were growing mm-hmm. up. And, you, uh, you know, you see it like eating a great white shark. <laughs> we're eating jaws, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we get that. And then, it, yeah, the gyrosphere is still hands down. It looks like the most fun attraction you could possibly imagine. I still don't get it because it looks like they can control the gyrosphere. So what's stopping from someone to going into that giant hamster ball and just riding around for like an entire day? I'm sure that there's probably some sort of system that allows them to just shut it down and pull it and and pull all the devices back. I don't know. Uh, It's, it's whatever. That's stupid. I'd be a menace in that. I'd be crashing into everybody. I'd be like ramming into tyrant. I mean, ramming into Triceratops. Those fucks. Yeah, that'd be safe. <laughs> For me, didn't you see how that thing was bulletproof? <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. Oh no, wait. Jimmy Fallon himself said it was bulletproof. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel Fallon. <laughs> uh, you know the, that one dude that does. You know <laughs> that one that's not funny. <laughs> Oh man, but um, yeah, I forgot about. I almost forgot about the kids. <laughs> the kids have been doing dumb shit this entire time that I just don't find interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when Mazrani was talking to Wu, that's uh, kind of harking, or that was the scene that you were mentioning earlier, where Mazrani was trying to find out what uh, what they're actually making, and that's where Wu tells him that you wanted bigger, badder, scarier, more teeth. Mm-hmm. Um. So after that, the entire well, no, they, they haven't started the uh the lockdown, which this is kind of where <laughs> this is kind of where the the staff first fuck up. Instead of uh going into lockdown mode, they end up sending what I can only describe as a bunch of red shirts to go into um to go to try to contain the uh indominus and try to bring it back in without killing it so they send a special group called asu the asset containment or acu asset containment unit or something and it's like a bunch of like ex-soldiers and they go and they try to they try to to bring the indominus back in and it's at this point where they realize it can camouflage so it can turn invisible <laughs> so not only is it invisible to cameras it's also invisible to uh heat detection it rips out its tracker so they don't know where the indominus goes at all and in a scene very reminiscent to the aliens like soldier slaughter in the beginning um you just see everyone like everyone on that unit's um like heart monitor just all go flatline and you know showing everyone dying really cool scene i loved it i thought it was <laughs> i thought it was very well done um at this point um 
yeah, once that unit is uh, taken care of, um, Owen tells Mizrani that they shouldn't fuck around, that they got to, you know, the, that, um, that they're able to use live rounds when needed in case of emergencies. And he was saying that they need to grab the biggest gun on the on the island and just, you know, destroy that thing before it goes on to either kill more dinosaurs or, you know, God forbid, start killing people. Um, yeah, after they're slaughtered, Claire uh, begins to order the evacuation of the island. Um, and of course... <laughs> Well, while everyone starts uh, going back to the main resort area, uh, Claire's dumbass nephews decide, you know what, we're too <laughs> cool for that. <laughs> so that's when they go off road and they like uh, start running or they start taking the gyroscope through like a herd of triceratops mm-hmm. uh, where they end up getting involved in like the middle of a fight between an Indominus and uh, another uh, dinosaur where you see that the Indominus kills the dinosaur um, just because it can and not out of hunger or hunting instinct just because it to- it completely can well right because uh, it it doesn't know that hunting is how it gets food it, it like it, it gets raw meat fed to it every day so mm-hmm. to it it really just uh it's uh how many of you guys can i kill <laughs> yep it's like you gave a six-year-old a chainsaw. <laughs> it is. I, yeah, I'm not going to say it. There is a very inappropriate comparison I can make to this that I will not do it. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll we'll say it off the air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because... you guys know where I'm going with this, and I'm just not going to say it on the air. And, yeah, we're just not going to. Um, after um, after they're able to escape. Ape, um, Zach and Gray end up in kind of in this uh restricted area of the park, and they actually find the old ruins uh to the original Jurassic Park, and they're able to jumpstart the one of the old uh JP uh Jeep Wranglers, and they're able to drive that uh back to the resort. Um, Claire gets in contact with her uh. Well, meanwhile, while all this is happening, Claire also gets in contact with her assistant, finds out that the boys have gone missing. So her and Owen go into the jungle to look for him. They're able to track him, or they're able to track the kid, track the kids down to the waterfall where they were able to escape. Uh, and then it's funny because Claire's like, go ahead, like, you know, can't you like follow their scent or something? <laughs> and he's like, I was in the Navy, not in the Navy, not the Navajo. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like he's like come on like you need to like we'll, we'll, we're gonna have to get through this and then he's you know kind of saying that she can't get through this um you know that she can't she's not someone to be out in nature and whatnot and then for some reason mm-hmm. she takes off her blazer and ties it around her, her waist. <laughs> and then i just love how owen looks at her like what's that supposed to mean i don't, I don't get it but it begins what I don't know. Like, like I remember you texted me and you're like, wow, Claire legitimately just spends the rest of the movie like just taking off clothes at random times. <laughs> and that's kind of like the start of it. And then it, but it's really weird. Like, it's really weird how they try to sexualize her, but but in like a I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a deleted scene where they shoot her covering herself in the mud and like dinosaur shit, but they do it huh. in a way to try to make it seem sexy. Oh no. Like, yeah, it's super weird. So I don't, it's one of those weird things where not only is she very like, is her character poorly written, they do really stupid choices to try to make her seem either sexy or likable. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Ugh. But anyway. Um, yeah, from there, uh, Masrani uh, pretty much he takes on the he takes the decision to uh kind of strap on this minigun to the side of his helicopter and decides to fly it so that they can kill the indominus themselves 
and as um the helicopter's following the indominus and they start blasting they actually uh kind of weaken the outside of the aviary and the indominus ends up breaking in causing complete havoc as all the pterosaurs are able to come flying out in a panic immediately kill the two soldiers Causing the helicopter to fly <laughs> to crash land into the air area and explode, and explode. <laughs> killing Masrani. Like it's the worst thing that could happen. And then from there, like when the flying dinosaurs like all escape the aviary, they start attacking everyone in Main Street, leading to maybe one of the most undeservedly brutal deaths. <laughs> of a side character I could ever possibly imagine because Claire's assistant like is not really guilty of anything in terms of like you know the morality code of movies yet for some reason it is decided at some point that her character was deserving of being picked up by a pterosaur dropped picked up again and have the animal that is flying away with her get eaten by the massive mosasaur at the same time it is so bizarre like she must have pissed someone off like this is the kind of death that vincent d'onofrio's character should have had not this lady (laughs) literally the worst thing zara does is she rolls her eyes at the kids and it's like hey fair you are, you know, you're saddled with this responsibility of babysitting. I do not blame you for hating your job. <laughs> like, other than that, there is absolutely no reason for her to get murked the way she does. And it's so, it's so bizarre. Uh, but from there, Owen and uh, the rest of the troopers are uh, able to subdue a bunch of the pterosaurs using um, tranquilizer darts. And they're able to uh, reunite with Gray and Zach, uh, who almost immediately start bonding with Owen and love him. And they're just like, you're a new dad, right? Um, At this point, um, Hoskins uh, assumes command of the situation and he orders to use the (laughs) raptors to hunt down the Indominus Rex. I'm sorry, like, the more I think about it, the more stupid that sounds. (laughs) That's like if you have a bunch of cobras in your office and then your boss is like, hey, Angel, go to PetSmart and buy 50 (laughs) mongooses. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, you know how they talk about how there's like how there's like you know all these like rats in new york city like sewers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's it's basically like the let's get an army of cats to go catch those rats it's like well now we have a bunch of cats it's all right just go get a bunch of dogs (laughs) it's so dumb like this is the plan i love my goddaughter your daughter I love her, but this is the type of plan she would come up with while her and I are playing, like, toys. <laughs> she would be like, hey, why don't we get a bunch of dinosaurs to go hunt the other dinosaur? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, Owen um, so Owen kind of begrudgingly accepts the offer, knowing that uh, he, could, he can't trust Hoskins with the raptors. So him, Barry, and a team of troopers go into the into the jungle along with the Velociraptors trying to hunt down uh, the Indominus. So they end up getting a scent on it. They follow it. However, before the Raptors engage, they stop and they start communicating with the Indominus, which then leads Owen to understand that they use Raptor DNA and that that's why uh the thing the indominus is so good at tracking and killing things (laughs) so the indominus ends up taking control of the pack and becomes the new alpha and forces the troopers to um start firing on the uh raptors at this point everything goes to hell the raptors start killing a bunch of the soldiers um one of the raptors gets blown up by a rocket launcher (laughs) 
uh, Hoskins is able to um, uh, is able to get Wu and a bunch of the uh, dinosaur embryos off the island in order to protect his research. Um, and Owen, yeah, Owen and uh, Claire and the boys, uh, they end up find they, they end up finding Hoskins. And when they try to confront him, he immediately gets attacked by Delta, one of the raptors, and gets killed. <laughs> gets mauled to death by it. We all love a crowd-pleasing, slimy character death. Oh, God. All I can say is that, I said it before, is that when you're a kid, you love Santa Claus. You love Dinosaur Santa, who is John Hammond, but when you're an adult, you always root <laughs> Dinosaur <for the> <laughs> Santa. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you're an adult it's always about the raptors baby <laughs> so um so yeah uh claire is able to uh get the boys back to main street uh after she's able to take after she steals one of the trucks or she takes one of the trucks mm-hmm. um owen is able to kind of reestablish his connection with the rest of the oh the remaining um raptors and they end up helping him uh starting to fight uh the indominus two of them get killed by the uh by the indominus leaving only blue left and blue being the main um raptor that owen has uh developed a relationship with um ends up blue ends up getting um kind of knocked out uh, Owen and the kids uh, or Owen is trying to protect the kids from the Indominus uh, all, all in the meantime um, Claire is able to call Jake Johnson and have him open the paddock to the T-Rex and using a flare she's able to guide it to the Indominus forcing Love a it. fight Love oh. it. it is a reference to the original movie where Jeff Goldblum grabs a flare and uses it to draw the T-Rex out of the car and, like, have him being chased. And then I also love that, like, the T-Rex paddock is, like, this dark, like, f- like forest, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's really neat. And then this is it. It's, it's even got the scratches from the original Jurassic Park movie telling you that this T-Rex is the original T-Rex from Jurassic Park. It smashes through the spinosaur skeleton, <laughs> kind of as a final fuck you to Jurassic Park three, which I didn't appreciate. <laughs> but as it smashes through, we have the ultimate let them fight moment. Um, and as the T Rex or as the Indominus starts getting the upper hand on the T Rex, Blue is able to come in for the quick save. Uh, it starts attacking the Indominus's back. Uh, the T-Rex and Blue are able to get the upper hand and uh, bring the Indominus close to the edge of the water where, because why the hell not the Mosasaur gets in on the action and as uh, the Indominus gets too close to the edge, the Mosasaur is able to jump up, grab it with its giant mouth uh, and bring it down to the water where it's able to kind of rip it up and eat the Indominus then um, ending the uh, immediate threat. Um, the Tyrannosaurus kind of uh, takes off after the fight uh, and just kind of starts wandering around the island. Uh, Blue and Owen share one final longing, longingly, uh, you know, lovable glance as Blue goes off into the sunset or I guess sunrise. This trilogy and, is really like, I mean, yes, we're told that the love story between Owen and Claire is the one that kind of takes center stage, but then there's also like the love story between Owen and Blue <laughs> that will also like span this entire trilogy. If if Blue was a dino person, I would be very afraid of Owen fucking Blue. <laughs> and I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're ready for interspecies erotica in on my Jurassic Park movie, but you know, like that he he wants to fuck that dinosaur. Like it feels by the end of this movie, he's like, there she goes again. <laughs> uh, but they're able to kind of ride off into the sunset. Um, the kids are reunited with their shitty parents who shouldn't have left them in the first place. <laughs> 
<laughs> the kids are reunited with their shitty parents and they're gonna fuck off and never be seen in any of the movies going forward. <laughs> their entire emotional arc means fuck all for the rest of the series because we never see them again. And the funny part is it's they are Claire's like immediate family. <laughs> it's basically like Hammond's grandchildren from the original. Yeah, and one of them just fucks off, and you never hear from them again. <laughs> and then uh, the film ends with Owen and um, Claire holding hands. I think they kiss? I don't remember. And as they walk towards like the entrance of the hangar, the T-Rex you know, climbs up to the top of... Um, what appears is one of the random facilities on the island lets out one final roar to the giant, you know, to the epic soundtrack of Jurassic Park. And roll credits, that's our movie. That is Jurassic World. So, Angel, we've talked about it. We've made fun of it. We've made fun of certain parts. What Do you like Jurassic World? Yes, I do like this movie. <laughs> I actually, uh, yeah, I, I really do enjoy it. I think maybe next to the original Jurassic Park, it's maybe the second best movie in this franchise. I'm really curious to see what this uh, new Jurassic World Dominion movie is going to be all about. But just from the fact that we get to see, you know, what the full park finally looks like, uh, that they really did make me care about uh, some of the dinosaur characters, particularly Blue the Raptor, who is like going to be a recurring dinosaur character throughout this entire like trilogy uh i I think this movie does a fantastic job at at making this franchise matter again and turning it into something that i didn't think would be possible and that's like just some massive summer tentpole that was even like maybe as big as the return of star wars that year yeah was it the same year the force awakens came out this was literally the year of like, it, I feel like it's the first big year of us bringing franchises back, like mm-hmm. to the original sequels. Because this this summer we had Jurassic World, uh, and then later in like around Thanksgiving we had Creed, which was the Rocky sequel that came out, and mm-hmm. then in Christmas we got uh, The Force Awakens. So this really was like that year that kind of like. It, it it made studios realize that there is that there's more money in reviving dead franchises than there is in remaking uh you know some of the movies in these franchises it's when uh it's when executives learned that millennials will literally pay to watch the same movie no problem <laughs> but i think this movie does enough new stuff that it it is worth checking out like it isn't like they are ripping anything off. They didn't do the ridiculous, like, we're going to do a full-on chase movie like Jurassic 3 did, which I know mm. you're a defender of. But I'm it, not it a defender re- of something that's amazing. <laughs> it needs no defense. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I, I like this movie. It's a fun movie. It's a good, like, it's a good spiritual successor to what a Michael Crichton movie slash novel is especially one that was directed by uh steven spielberg like it does a lot with the original source material while or it is i guess reverent of the original source material while still not being afraid to kind of push and do you know introduce its own its own monsters right like the indominus is probably the most of all the dinosaurs we've seen, it is the most, like, probably bloodthirsty and the most, like, aggressive and violent of all the dinosaurs we've seen, um, which made it different. It made it more interesting, the fact that it can think. Um, it was a new, you know, a lot of new uh, characters. And while it's really interesting that although Owen Grady is definitely the Alan Grant analog by... You know, if you base it just on this movie, like obviously he's the he's the the character you're supposed to kind of uh, re- maybe not necessarily relate to, but you look at him and he becomes like he's the protagonist, and you're like, yeah, that's the hero of the story. 
but it's like as you watch uh fallen kingdom and now as dominion comes out you start you know they do a lot better job with claire as a character where they flesh her out and they give her better motivations and they she starts uh really coming into her own so it's one of those things where it becomes a you know it's one of those movies that then becomes kind of like a duo where the your duo protagonists um and yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens with Dominion, regardless of what um, the reviews are. Uh, I at the very least want to see it with my own eyes before I completely shit on it. <laughs> yes, I'm very curious to see what this movie is going to be like. I'm actually watching it this weekend, and I'm very excited uh, to see it, despite the fact that, again, I think the reviews are pretty mixed so far. I think both of us are pretty clear that we don't really just go by what critics say. Sometimes it is worth just seeing what an audience says about a movie. So one yeah, of my favorite movies is Triple X State of the Union, and I like <laughs> Jurassic Park three. So obviously we don't give a shit about. Hey, reviews. one way or another, next week the movie we're talking about will actually be Jurassic World Dominion. So uh, definitely excited to talk about that one. I'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Uh, please continue to interact with us on social media. Please. Uh, Leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, leave us ratings on Spotify. Uh, I think I noticed, uh, Javi noticed a few days ago that we were, our catalog was off of Spotify for a few hours. And uh, we went ahead and made sure that all that stuff is added back in there. So uh, please mm-hmm. continue to download our episodes on Apple Music or list stream us on Spotify. And uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, returning next week to talk Jurassic World Dominion. I think the first movie the first new movie that we're going to talk about, like since we did the Batman back in March. (laughs) Yeah. And don't worry. We got some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Hopefully that are still in, in y'all's, you know, zeitgeist. So we're ready for it. All right. So uh, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Later nerds.